working among us this morning, right now. We just ask that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And I ask that you would give me a mouth to speak only what you would have me to speak this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Okay, I'm going to start with this article. It's by David Jeremiah. I'm just going to read part of it. It says, Christmas Day, 1941, 18 days after the devastating attack on Pearl Harbor, people found it hard to celebrate the peace on earth, goodwill toward men, that usually brought comfort and joy during the holiday season. A day of pure celebration turned into one of dark despair. And then on Christmas night, Bing Crosby sang White Christmas for the first time, and in minutes, people forgot the tragedy, and their minds drifted into the beautiful lyrics, reminiscing about a snow-white Christmas. And so, could snow really be a gift from God? I know we probably wonder that up here, because we have lots of it. And I was wondering what the Bible had to say about snow or about snowflakes. And so I decided to search the scripture, and um, I came across the scripture in Isaiah 1. And God was speaking through Isaiah to his people, and he was talking to them about their great sin. And uh, one of the things that kind of shocked me when he was listing all these sins, one of them said, my people don't recognize my care for them. That was one of their sins but also said that they are rebellious, evil, corrupt. They have turned their back on the Lord, and they have innocent blood on their hands. But then in verse 18, and in his compassion, he says, Come now and let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Um, I was studying snowflakes and things like that, and it said that, Snowflakes aren't actually white. They're clear until the sun shines through them. So I'm going to read this scripture again. It says, Come now and let us reason together. Though your sins are scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. And um, this, this scripture actually it made me remember a moment in my life. And um, this, is, this is my salvation testimony I'm going to share with you right now. Um, some of you know that my great-grandmother was a minister. Um, and somehow I ended up at one of her revival meetings. I was probably seven or eight. And now I grew up in church um, under the pews. I always got in trouble for that. But, um, <laughs> but I was about seven or eight, and I went to one of her revival meetings with my cousin Kristen. And we had, like, notebooks and stuff like that because at this time, you know, children didn't have children's ministry. We were all in the service. And um, so there was a boy there I was going to flirt with, and I had my notebook and my pencils. And um, about halfway through the service, God got my attention. And I knew I was a sinner. And I was, I was pretty young. I can't think of anything I really did. Um, my parents probably can't. <laughs> but um, I knew I was a sinner. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so something just began to burn in me. We were halfway through the service, and I couldn't wait for the altar call. 
Sorry. And when that moment came, I ran to the altar. And that scripture, though your sins are scarlet, they will be whiter than snow, that happened to me. It felt like a bath on the inside. And like the love of Jesus just washed over me. And um, some of you know I'm a little emotional. So I was, you know, I was sobbing up at the altar as I gave my heart to the Lord. And um, I just remember that moment. And, and really, for a long time, I haven't thought about this, this experience and, and this encounter. I mean, it's, it's been years. And I read this scripture, and it, and it brought that up. And um, many of you have had this moment in your life. And maybe it's been a long time since you've remembered. And I want to tell you that there's purpose in remembering this whiter-than-snow moment. There's purpose in remembering this first love encounter, this first love experience. And so, uh, so why would I bring up something that's like 30 years ago? And I want to say that there's purpose in it. There's purpose in remembering if you haven't had this moment in your life, this whiter-than-snow washing where Jesus pours his love out on you, I just pray that right now the Spirit of God would begin to burn in you right now until the end of the service so that you can come to the altar and give your heart to the Lord. So sometimes we get caught up in the busyness of, of life, and, and we forget these things. Um, sometimes even if you're part of the church, you get caught up in ministry. And, uh, and you're serving the Lord, you know, and you're doing all the right things, except that you've forgotten. And uh, in Revelations 2, there was a message that was sent to the church in Ephesus. And the beginning of it, God is applauding them. He's saying that they're working hard, that they're patiently enduring, they don't tolerate evil people. It even says um, in different situations that they had spiritual discernment. But then at the end, it says in verse 4, I have this complaint against you. You have lost your first love. You have forgotten your first love. So they were doing all this stuff like serving the Lord. And yet they had forgotten the moment. They had forgotten the encounter. They had forgotten the time. Another translation says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. And uh, so I want to talk about uh, when you first fall in love. How many have been in love? Anybody? A few people? All the husbands and the wives better raise their hand. <laughs> okay, so when you first fall in love, um, you know, you do ridiculous things. Sometimes well, people will sit on the phone for hours and not say anything. I never did that, but I know that people have done that. And uh, But I did ridiculous things. And so you're super in tune with that person that you're in love with. Um, and you spend a lot of time, like, cultivating that relationship. And so um, I'm going to talk, talk about Tom for a minute. So he grew up across the street from me. And I was still in high school. And he had a job because he's way older than me. And um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I was, I was actually uh, in high school, in cosmetology school. And my bedroom was downstairs. And he lived across the street, and he worked late into the night. And so he had this old cutlass that he had rebuilt. When he would come home, I would be sound asleep. But I was so in tune. I was so in love. It would wake me up every time when he would get home. 
because I attuned myself, even while I was sleeping, to listen. And and it's possible that um, we can have that kind of relationship or more so with the Lord. And sometimes we might get too busy and and we we lose that attentiveness. And we don't spend that time. And um, I want to take you now to the book of Luke. And uh, there's a story about Mary and Martha and about spending time. I know that many of you, many of you know this story. Um, Martha invites Jesus into her home. And so Jesus is sitting there and he's just he's just speaking. You know, they're just they're just there. And Martha is serving. She's serving the Lord. And she says, well, Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, and she's like, Lord, don't you care that I'm working? And this reminds me of my children. These guys were sisters, Mary and Martha. So I don't know if anybody has kids, but if you tell one to do something, they might say, well, what about why do I have to do it all? So that's what Martha was doing. She was like, why am I having to do all the work? Well, Mary, Mary is just sitting at your feet. And Jesus says, My dear child, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing to be concerned about, and Mary has discovered it. I feel like this is a prophetic word for everyone in here today. I feel like he's saying to you, My dear child, you are worried and upset over lots of details, so many things. There is only one thing to be concerned about. Will you find it? And I just, I just want to ask that everybody would just bow their heads and um, just close your eyes. And um, so, when I was reading about snowflakes, it says that there's six sides on every snowflake, and they're all different, and yet they're all the same. So it's kind of like us. All of us in here are in different places with our walk with the Lord. And so some of you, some of you have never had that whiter than snow encounter with Jesus. And some of you have. And some of you have gotten busy. Some of us have gotten busy. Some of us have gotten busy with all the right things. But maybe we've forgotten to sit at the feet of Jesus. And, um, Those of you that have had this encounter, I want you to remember right now that moment. Just remember right now that moment when Jesus washed you. Think about when he rescued you. Think about when your world was turned upside down. Think about that love washing over you. It's okay to just be quiet in the presence of the Lord. Just let him speak to you right now. Tell tell you where you're at. 
with him. If you have never given your heart to Jesus, if you have never had this encounter, that though your sins are scarlet, because we've all fallen short, he wants to make you whiter than snow this morning. He wants to shine through you like he does the snowflake. Thank you, Lord. And if you've been very busy, with ministry or with life or with school. Today is your day to reconnect with the Lord, to reconnect with your first love, to remember your whiter-than-snow moment. I just pray that even as, as we do our driving this winter, that every time we see a snowflake hit our windshield or gently fall, that we would remember the encounter the whiter-than-snow moment, the moment when he washed us clean, the moment when he rescued us, the moment when he changed our world. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, I want to talk about the altar. I don't want to seem like I'm religious or like everything has to be one way. But when I was a kid, the altar was a place of change. People didn't have to convince you to come. We loved the altar. People ran to the altar and gave their hearts to God. They didn't just repeat a prayer and then leave. They had an encounter with the Lord. And He changed their life there at the altar, at this place of change. I want to invite you to come. If you don't know the Lord, if you've never had this encounter, this is your moment. I want to invite you to come. Come. If you need to reconnect, if you've been busy with the right things, even. But if you need to reconnect with your first love, I want to invite you to come. Come. Come to the altar, a place of change. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God, I pray that you would have your way in each one, in each heart, in each life that you would connect us or reconnect us with you today, that you would have your way, 
that you would have your way, that we would forget the busyness of our schedule, the busyness of today, that we would take this time, that we would cultivate our relationship with you.
just want to encourage you if you came in wanting prayer for something healing a burden if you've been bogged down by worry anxiety whatever prayer team pastor neil they're ready but if you're soaking here keep soaking keep soaking Mm-hmm. 